everybody. Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 140. And I'm excited for this one. A lot of, yeah. of news. In this episode alone, we got the quarter season awards for the MLB. Some other awards that uh, aren't real, but uh, we wanted to figure out now they are who the winners were for AL and NL. Um, top ten first baseman, and looks like Wemby's going to the Spurs. Lottery happened, and we got a top ten for the mock draft 1.0 NBA. Also, conference championships in the NBA are going on too. So predictions. Yeah. Think uh, also uh, before we get into the episode, yeah. a lot of people are realizing that it is Thursday. Uh, it's oh, not yes. our normal Tuesday. Yes. Uh, a lot of stuff going on this week for me and Skyler, so mm-hmm. we weren't able to do the episode on Tuesday or yesterday. Uh, so Thursday it is for this week, but you can expect us getting back to that Tuesday routine mm-hmm. here in the following weeks. Uh, it's a bit of a one-off here. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into it now, starting off with the opener. I'm going to a game that I watched last night that was an absolute doozy of a watch, Skyler. Tampa Bay and the Mets were going at it. Uh, this is Kodai Senga going up against uh, like the Rays bullpen, primarily Josh Fleming, who pitched the first five innings of the game. Uh, but Kodai Senga was the story of the game here in the first six innings because he pitched six strong, one earned run, and 12 strikeouts. That's his new career high in his month and a half that he's been over here. Uh, but the Rays were up 2 nothing in the, in the top of the seventh inning when Mark Bientos came up and hit his first homer of the year after he just got called up again uh, to tie up the game. But it didn't take long for Tampa Bay to take the lead out again in the eighth and then tackle another one on in the ninth, making it 5-2 to two going to the bottom of the ninth when Francisco Alvarez came up with two men, two out. And he said, see you later, ball. This game was tied heading into the 10th, of course, because you got to be tied heading into the extras. Uh, and Rays did what they do. They score two runs in the 10th, make it kind of a tough spot to come back. Uh, Pete Fairbanks comes in, one of the best relievers in all baseball. And then Pete Alonzo came up with two men on, and he said, this game's over, hit a ball into the second deck in City Field, uh, said the Mets are back. It was a doozy of the game. So Mets win 8-7. They also won today. Uh, so maybe something turned around for, for the Mets because it's been a rough season so far for them. Yeah, my opener is a very similar game. I'm going with uh, A's extra innings win against the Rangers last Friday night. I haven't been able to watch a whole lot of A's recently, but I saw this one. And, uh, you know, just like Tampa Bay, Texas scores two in the top of the 10th. It looked like it was over, but... The A's rally back, went at nine to seven. Big game for Mysterio Ruiz, three big hits, and of course, Brent Rooker with the walk-off homer. Good yeah. to see. That was also a uh started off that game was Esther Ruiz's uh first career home run. Yeah. Too. So pretty cool there. Uh but let's go ahead and move into team reports, even though we don't have it on our spreadsheet, just because yeah. we kind of it's a given there at this point. Uh, anything to report with the Jets? I know, you know, mid-May, we're not really going to get much, uh, but I know Quinn Williams might be the topic of discussion recently. Yeah, Quinn and Williams is uh, is the big thing left here. Actually, before we get into Quinn and Williams, uh, Carl Lawson restructured his contract, saving us, I think, about $12 million. So 
really cool of him to do that because he knows he got hurt and he's not the same as he was. So restructure. But Quentin Williams, that's the big one. He's a free agent next season after we pick up that fifth-year option. He's going to be the second-highest-paid D-tackle behind Aaron Donald. We know this. It's just not going to happen yet. This seems like the kind of thing the Jets always just wait until training camp to do. So I'm not worrying. Uh, I just don't think it'll happen for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, for the Raiders, nothing. You know, mid-May, that's pretty much what we're going to yeah. get. Just kind of slowing down as we get uh, before that, like, training camp period. In, in between the draft and training camp is always a bit weird. So uh, slow slowing down for right now. But we get we got baseball and, fo- and uh, basketball to focus on, anyways. Uh, let's true. go ahead and get into our player, pitcher, and rookie of the week. And where's your head at? We'll get it started with player of the week together. Who is taking home that award for you this week? I'm gonna go with Nolan Arenado for this week. Struggled really badly to start off, but uh, last week, uh, and when I say last week, I mean uh, a week from today, which is Thursday. He had 440, five homers, 13 ribbies, second in baseball in OPS. And St. Louis is uh, eight and two in their last 10. They're starting to come back. If they're going to do it, they had to start it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one super bad start to the season, but he has been great over this past week or two. I think he had a homer in five straight games. I think that streak is done now, Uh, but still a, a great, you know, past eight to 10 games for Nolan. My player of the week. I decided to go with Aaron Judge. Uh, same amount of homers, a couple less RBIs, more walks, uh, more strikeouts as well, too. Uh, lo- lower average, but OPS is pretty much the same exact thing yeah. as Nolan. He had an absolutely crazy week, and he's having it in big games against uh, primarily the – or not the Orioles, the uh, the Blue Jays here this this week, and, and that series that's going on right now between those two teams. Uh, and he's been looking just as good as he was last year over this past week or so. So that's a good sign for Aaron judge. Good sign for the Yankees, uh, because they're paying him a lot of money and they are also not in the best spot as far as standing goes right now. But, uh, yeah, that's our player of the week. Moving on to pitcher of the week. We might be the same again here, Kyle, because I'm going with Chris Bassett, the blue Jay starter, 16 scoreless innings. Complete game shout-out against Atlanta and another gem against the Yankees. That's that's why you signed him for that right there. Awesome week for Chris Bassett. Yeah, Chris Bassett. Skyler said it all. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Rookie of the week. I'm going to go with Dom Fletcher of Arizona. Not the, uh, you know, most... Uh, you know, counting stats-wise this week. Two homers, nine ribbies, but he terrorized San Francisco. They don't beat them. Both of those games, if he doesn't do what he does, I believe he had a bases clearing triple and another homer the next day. Mm. So good for Dom Fletcher. Yeah. My rookie of the week, I decided to go with the Mariners pitcher who has been amazing in his first three or four starts in his big league career. Bryce Miller, again, went seven scoreless, uh, only three strikeouts, but only three hits allowed and no walks in there as well, too. He has been absolutely amazing for the M's to start off his career. Uh Sucks for us being A's fans, but uh, mm-hmm. it's how it goes, I guess. And uh, Bryce Miller has been really, really good. So, rookie of the week there. Now let's go ahead and get into our top 10 first baseman. Uh, we did the catchers last week. A lot of fun there. Uh, first baseman this week, obviously, will move position by position as the year goes on and the weeks go on. Do you have any honorable mentions that you would like to mention before we get in to the top 10. I got a good amount of honorable mentions for the first baseman here. I'll just 
run through him, I guess. Lamont Wade now playing every day, no longer platoon, and he's hitting even better than he was, so we had to mention him. Joey Gallo is always going to mash. He's up there. Ty France, too, before the uh, you know annual slump. He's a top first baseman in the league. Nate Lau starting to get the power going. And Ryan Noda, you know, A's player on this roster with comparable numbers to the top 10. I had to mention him. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions that I would yeah. like to mention before we get into it. First starting off is Votto and Abreu. Uh, Jose Abreu, that is. These two guys aren't good enough to be in the top 10, but they are those uh, fancy, like, kind of like legacy guys. Sure. Who was it? Sure. It was like uh, Dirk and and D Wade, I think, yeah. who made the all-star game, even though they weren't really, you know, at that level in their last season. These two guys are kind of like that. They won't be all-stars or anything like that. I don't think Bottles even played a game yet, but they deserve to be mentioned sure. because their careers might be ending here soon, especially Votto. And uh, I think we definitely got to say those guys. I also want to say Joy Manessis. Sure. Mont Wade. Yeah. And Reese Hoskins. Hoskins out for the year. Lamont Wade has been great so far, but his down year last year is kind of hindering him a little bit here at this point still. And Joy Manessis, I just want to see more. He had a slow start to this year. He's in a lineup that, you know, they're able to pitch around him and not really have to pace him that much. Uh, and then the last guy as well, uh, Ryan Noda. Because if he keeps us up for the entire season, he will be on this list. Just right now, you know, he's only played less than 50 games at the big league. So right now, it should be on this list if he continues uh, this pace for the rest of the season. That'd be uh, cool. Been an absolute fine for the A's out of the Rule 5 draft this year. All righty, let's get going. Number 10, Skyler, who do you have here? I got Rowdy Tellas of the Brew Crew. Uh, a guy who, you know, probably would have been a little higher at the start of the year, but uh, not as good compared to some of these other guys so far, you know, the last year and a half. Number 10 for me, you're not going to like this one, Skyler. It's going to be Matt Olson for me. His defense has declined quite a bit over these last few years. He's not, you know, picking as many Matt Chapman scoops over these past few years since he's been on the Braves because uh, obviously Matt Chapman isn't there anymore yeah. with him in Oakland. Uh, his offense is good, but he just strikes out too much. Uh, and when you look at the other guys uh, at the first base position, there's a lot of guys who walk around at the same amount, but he's just striking out pretty much more than anybody uh, right now. I know the power is great. It's a lot of doubles. He's in a great lineup as well, too. So it, it's kind of tough to, you know, pitch around him. So he's maybe that walk percent isn't going to be as high as what it would be in a different lineup. But there's a lot of guys that have passed them up, unfortunately. And when the defense doesn't stand out the same way that it did, it's kind of tough to, you know, make a case for him to be in that top five or six spot. So Matt Olson still makes the list, but he's at number 10. All right. Number nine. Number nine, I got Vinny Pasquantino of Kansas City, uh, a guy who had an amazing rookie year, kind of out of nowhere. I mean, we knew who he was, but we didn't think he'd be hitting 290. Uh, and a, a slower start to the year, but – uh I think this guy projects to be just as good as Anthony Rizzo was when he was coming up. And it's not just because they're Italian. It's, you know, lefty hidden first baseman who get on base. Uh, that's yeah. the that's the thought process. Number nine for me is going to be a guy who is having a bit of a down year to start this season in comparative to the past few years. Uh, but still very good all around. And that's Nathaniel Lau. He uh, is one of the more contact driven 
first baseman's in the league where he's not going to hit a ton of homers, but he might be a guy that hits 300 for you and, you know, walks a good amount too. Uh, this, this year it's been a little bit weird as far as strikeouts go. He's been striking out a ton, uh, but I assume he's going to get that down quite a bit. WRC plus though, over the last few years, uh, this year and last year combined at 136. That's tied with Vladdy okay. and uh, Louisa Rice, who's not really even playing first base right now. So I didn't, I didn't even include him on this list. No, I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tied for ace in that spot. So okay. Daniel Lau sitting at nine. Number eight. Number eight, I got Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks. Uh, absolute masher. Another guy kind of comes out of nowhere. But if you're hitting for this much power, uh, you're going to have a spot in the lineup. And uh, a lot of guys like Christian Walker are starting to take over the prospect rankings even too. So he, he's in top 10 first baseman. Christian Walker is also the guy that I had at number eight. I, nice. I'm a huge Christian Walker guy. Uh, I know defense is something that's kind of weird to value at first base because it's it's a dilemma on where how much you want to you know put value into fielding over hitting and stuff like that. And obviously you know that's a guy who's probably going to be one of your main run producers in your lineup. Uh, Christian Walker is that run producer guy, but he's also the best defensive first baseman in baseball, and it's not relatively even close i believe outs over outs above average or i forget what that stat is uh i just know it's oaa uh yeah he's at like 19 over the past year and a half i think the next closest is at six so he uh is not even close defensively he's he's one of the best or he is the best first baseman defensively in the league and when it comes to hitting he's got that 40 homer power too so he he's fun to watch it's a ton of bombs for arizona and he started to pick it up this year, too, after kind of a slow start to start the season. Up these past three, four weeks, he's been really, really good. Number seven. In my opinion, uh, I guess compared to my list, my my two through seven, very similar. It's just based on preference at this point. Uh, and it's going to be Anthony Rizzo. Uh, maybe because he's older than the other guys two through seven. But, uh, you know, great start. He's hitting 300. He's mashing. And... Um, I mean, good for the Yankees, right? He's keeping them afloat. Yeah. Uh, number seven for me is going to be where I put Vinny Pasquantino. This dude might be, you know, one, two, or three in the coming years, especially yeah. once we see like Goldie and Freddie Freeman kind of start their decline in their careers. Cause he is the perfect 2023 baseball player where he walks more than he strikes out. He has a ton of power and he's still not sacrificing much of that you know, power for swing and miss. Cause he's still hitting around 300, 280. He's, he's a great hitter. Uh, obviously I don't even think he's played 117 games in his career. So that's not even a full yeah. season now at this point, but I'm ready to put him at this number seven spot and defense is kind of just a wash for him as well too. Uh, number six, I'm going to go with Yandy Diaz from Tampa Bay here. Finally playing every game. Hey, Tampa Bay, see what happens. If your guys mash lefties, there's a chance they mash righties too. So, you know, good for Tampa Bay. I got no complaints about Yandy Diaz right now. Yeah. Number six is going to be where I put Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's It might be a bit low for a few people, uh, but I'm one of those guys that's super big on the walk, strikeout, and, and you know, homer percent and stuff like that. And, Defense is usually a wash for a lot of these first basemen because it's yeah. if you're around average, that's completely fine. But Vlad is one of those few guys where his defense actually hurts them quite a bit as far as DRS goes and stuff like that. So Vladdy, you know, might not be 
or typically a lot of people might have him, you know, at that four, three or even two spot, but I don't know. He's just declined quite a bit for me over this past year or two. I obviously think he, he's doing great this year and probably going to end up picking up even more. And I assume by the end of the year, this list might even change quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Vlad, he's just, he's not walking enough uh, for me to really even put him too much higher. So uh, Vladdy at six, number five, number five is where I have Matt Olson. And uh, I, I think he got it right. He's just not as consistent in his Braves career, at least just not as consistent as he was in Oakland, uh, but he's still a great player. You still have him at number five. Uh, and he gets the nod over, over some of the other guys we talked about who haven't played as many games. Number five is going to be where I put Pete Alonzo. He's fourth in the MLB among first basemen over this year and a half uh, in WRC plus and at 142. Uh, he absolutely mashes the baseball. We know that he leads the league in home runs right now at 16. He had another one today. Uh, defense, though, is the one thing that kind of drags him down a little bit, just like Vladdy. He's kind of in that same percentile as far as defensive statistics go. So, it is a slight tick down for that, but obviously his bat is amazing and he's going to hit a ton of home runs for you. Perfect, you know, middle of the order bat for, for a team like the Mets. Uh, so that's that's where he's got for me. Uh, number four. Four is where I, I have the polar bear, Pete Alonzo. Um, again, once again, Kyle, uh, right on uh, hit the nail on the head. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? That's the same. Yeah, uh, man just just hits home runs for a living. It's almost like he gets paid for it. And uh, that's, again, that, that's about it. But he's one of the best at, at that. So he's my number four first baseman. I don't know what else to say about Pete Alonso. Yeah. Uh, number four for me is going to be where I put Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't going to be, or especially Mets fans, aren't going to be super proud about that, that I put Rizzo above Pete Alonso. Uh, but the hitting is relatively the same when you look at the advanced statistics sure. and stuff. Obviously, Pete's going to have probably a more sexy stat line where he's hitting 40 home runs and stuff like that. But Rizzo is going to have more doubles. He's going to do more stuff besides, you know, hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, and then when it comes to defense as well, too, he's not a terrible fielder. He's a good fielder. Uh, and I think that's enough to, you know, put him over Alonzo, not by a yeah. ton, but by a little bit. Number three. Number three, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm not bothered by the defense because the numbers he's putting up, the clutch hits he's had, even just in this season, it's enough for me. So he gets the bump over the guys who are struggling. Vladdy Jr., number three. Number three for me, Yandy Diaz. The dude is so freaking good. He's so fun to watch. He walks pretty much more than anybody at the first base position, except for Ryan Noda. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't strike out at all. Like it's 11.7 strikeout percentage over 2022 and on, uh, which if you're looking at the guys on the rest of this list, Pasquantino is a guy who doesn't have a highs has one. He's at 11.0 Louisa rise 6.8, but that's kind of a nominally, the rest of that, you know, most of these guys are looking at in between 15 to 22%, I'd say. Yandy is amazing, and he's hitting for a ton of power this year, too. So I think we need to put all those things together. Yandy Diaz, I'm okay with definitely putting him at the three spot, even though, you know, the name value might not warrant 
being up there comparative to like a Pete Alonso or Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Number two, Freddie Freeman. He hasn't skipped a beat. And, uh, you know, uh, if you're the Braves, you're not kicking yourselves, but you're definitely wondering what if right now, uh, because Freddie Freeman's definitely a, a better all around player in the medals. And at this point, and, uh, you know, unfortunately there's another guy who's ageless, so he doesn't get the top spot, but uh, number two is a, is a pretty good honor for Freddie Freeman. Yeah, uh, this is this is where we're going to see, you know, me and Skylar's list be the same here in, in one yeah. and two. I think these are the two spots, that, the only two spots in this entire list that you can kind of say, yeah, okay, this is this is good. These guys are going to be locks here no matter what. And Freddie Freeman is my number two guy. Uh, all around super solid player. We know how he is in the clubhouse as well, too. Uh, the move to L.A. hasn't hurt him at all statistically. Uh, I know you said the Braves probably kicking themselves. It's it's an interesting conversation to have because yeah. Olsen is a bit younger. So you might see Olsen go up a little bit and Freddie Freeman might start to climb a little bit. Yeah. But then again, they're playing a position where you're not going to see that decline as steeply because you're not going to have the wear and tear on the body. As yeah. Much they made the move for, for what they're going to look like in six years from now. Yeah. yeah it, It'll be interesting to see how Freddie Freeman's game evolves once he gets to, you know, that 35, 36, 37 year old uh, age, because he's not that guy who's going to hit 40 homers, uh, even though he had kind of those seasons in Atlanta sometimes. So we'll see. We'll see if he Mm kind of just becomes a a guy who's going to hit 320 and, you know, even walk more as he gets on in his career. But Freddie Freeman he, you, you might have Hall of Fame numbers once he, he, it's all said and done. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, if this guy retired today, he'd barely get in. But he'd still get in. That's Paul Goldschmidt. Um, one of my favorite players to watch in the league because he, he's just so good at everything he does. And it's going to be hard to see someone else take that MVP away from him and be still putting up similar stats. But uh, there are some insane dudes in the national league that we'll talk about here pretty soon. So Paul Goldschmidt at the top. Yeah. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's number one. I think uh, Goldie kind of gets underrated sometimes, even though he won MVP yeah. this past year. Uh, and, you know, we saw it with like LeBron. I think we're starting to see it with Shohei is now too, where this guy's been at the top for so long that you kind of forget about him. Uh, and I know Goldie, you know, when you look at, you know, comparing him to Shohei or something like that, it's not really that argument. But as far as the first base position goes, he, he's been the top of the, the game here for a couple of years now at this point. And I think we're kind of just forgetting that uh, he's been the best hitter out of all these guys. And it's not even close. Uh, when you look at WRC plus, he's at 172. Next closest guy is Andy Diaz at 156. I mean... He does everything right. And, uh, you know, strikeout percentage, I guess, would be the only knock that you have on him. He's over 20% there. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe and Joey Manessas are kind of around that same strikeout percentage. And I know for Lau, I said that that's a, that's a bit too high. But everything else that Goldie does is so perfect. And, uh, yeah, I'm putting him at number one without a doubt. Yes, sir. So next week, we'll be on the second baseman. Let's see some of those names we can – Go ahead and maybe Whit Merrifield, Louisa Rice, Semyon, Tybro Estrada. Will he make the list for us? Ozzy Albies, overrated or underrated? Patel Marte, you know, former M- MVP <laughs> finalist who's kind of fallen off a little bit. Glaber Torres, 
Uh, Nico Horner, one of the best defensive players in all the big leagues. Brandon Lau, a ton of power. Uh, Bryson Stott, who's had a really hot start to the season, but has slowed down quite a bit. The Squirrel, Jeff McNeil, <laughs> Andres Jimenez, who won the gold glove last year. And of course, uh, Tony Kemp. kidding Tony Kemp will make the list but uh yeah uh stay tuned for next week when we go over second baseman yes sir you ready to do some awards together absolutely it's the award show quarter season uh we are at the quarter mark pretty much in the season a little bit past it I'd say I think every team has played like 43 to 44 games I want to say yeah 45 for the Rays yeah, 44. We're we're looking around that that margin there, 43 to 45 for pretty much everybody at this point. So, you know, maybe if we did the episode on Tuesday, it would have been exactly at the quarter mark. We'll see. But uh, that's completely fine. We're doing MVP, Cy Young, reliever, rookie of the year, and manager for now. And then after halftime, we'll get into the best awards of the show. Uh, AL and NL for each of them. Let's just go ahead and get started from the back, actually, and get uh, yeah. the best awards at the last. Uh, starting off with manager of the year. Yeah, my manager of the year at the quarter mark is going to be Bruce Bochy of uh, of the Rangers for the American League. You know, Texas, I, I guess you could say they were kind of expected to be around this winning percentage at this point, but it's still cool. Uh, obviously, I want to make this clear, though. It, it's Kevin Cash. He's going to win. I'm just saying if the season happened to end on that day, Bruce Bochy would be the winner. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Cash and Bruce Bochy are really good candidates. Uh, however, I, I think Brandon Hyde would be the guy that I'm going to give it to right now, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, just because when you look at what makes a manager of the year, it's usually that team that's kind of up and coming or the mm-hmm. team that doesn't have as good of his roster as these other teams and still, you know, finds a way into the playoffs or gets really close to it. And I think uh, when you look at Tampa Bay, you look at the roster, Kevin Cash, I mean, granted, they are, you know, pushing that 116 pace, but that's a really damn good roster. Mm-hmm. Every single player on that team is really, really good. Same thing when you look at Texas. I mean, Bruce, Bruce Boach, has been a, you know, great hire for them at, at the coaching spot, but that roster is really really good and then you look at baltimore the roster is good but brandon hyde is pushing that team to the next level right now in my opinion maybe it's you know atley rutchman rutchman and his aura just kind of sure you know lifting everybody up but that pitching staff just doesn't i mean the bullpen's absolutely amazing yanner cano brian baker felix batista all those dudes have been lights out but that starting rotation doesn't you know, isn't turning any heads. Grayson Rodriguez has been absolutely terrible in the yeah. first couple of weeks of his season. So the fact that they're only three and a half out of the Rays, that's enough for me to say Brandon Hyde made it right. here. Okay. NL side. Going to go with Derek Shelton of the Pirates. Uh, they're not in first place anymore, but, you know, I had them in last to start the year. And they look like a, a formidable ball club. And once again, I, I just want to, state here that I, I don't think he's going to win it. I think a guy like Dave Roberts is more likely to win it. A team that wasn't supposed to be very good is now beating the crap out of everybody um, in the Dodgers. But Derek Sheldon for now. Yeah. Uh, 
Shelton's a good choice. I think that's that's probably a choice that a lot of people are going to make, and I think it's probably the right choice as of right now. But with just how they've played over these past few weeks, you can kind of tell that things are going downhill for them yeah. here, certainly. Uh, so I went with Tor Lavolo, uh head coach of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think, uh, you know, guys like Roberts and Snicker are really good choices, but when you've been that good for so long, you have to do something absolutely crazy. Well, I think the year. I think pushing 116 for cash would get him, even if they did, yeah. if, if they won 107. I think he'd still win. That's valid. And I, I guess similar with the Dodgers was my mindset. Yeah, I, I mean, if if Arizona keeps the divisional race close at all, I think it's it's Lavolo's yeah. award to to lose. So, uh, give me give me Tori or right. uh, Rookie of the Year. AL Masataki Yoshida. That was my pick before the season. I'm sticking with it. He had 300 in the first quarter. Uh, awesome start. He's keeping Boston somehow alive. Yeah. Uh, I went with Yoshida here too. I picked uh Volpe to original be the guy, but I had Yoshida right, right on it before I was like, Oh fuck dude. If he, <laughs> if Volpe does anything this year, he's going to win it. Uh, which is still possible. And Yoshida had a really slow start to the season, but since then he has been absolutely amazing. He's pushing 300 right now. He's also pushing a 900 OPS uh, walk percentage higher than strikeouts. That's obviously great to see for a guy mm-hmm. who just came overseas yeah. uh, this past year. Six homers, solid, you know, probably going to be around 20, 22 to 25. Yeah. Uh, and he's been great for the Red Sox, who are a surprisingly decent team. So uh, give me Masataka Yoshida. Moving on to the NL. Uh, it's Corbin Carroll. He's the winner. Um, great season. But there is a guy who's better who actually will win the award if he doesn't get hurt. James Outman, who has had some ridiculous nights in L.A. You know, three homer games already. Uh, he's just crazy, but yeah, Corbin Carroll, he's the guy who does everything right. Who, you know, is great, great in the field, great, uh, you know, base dealer. So he's going to get more votes. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Carroll should win this award, even if James Altman keeps the pace. I just think, uh, it's very tough to uh, like account for stolen bases. And I know, Outman's probably still going to be a guy where he's uh, having a 25 homer, 20 stolen base season, but Corbin Carroll is going to have probably 25 homers and he's going to steal 35 to 40 backs. And if you do that as a rookie and you're hitting 280 and you push an 850 OPS, you got it, dude. Corbin Carroll is also, I mean, the fastest guy in baseball. So Corbin gets it. Uh, Moving on to reliever of the year, a, L yeah, first. these should be pretty quick. Uh, Yanir Cano of the Orioles has not allowed a run this season. Yeah, Yanir Cano. Uh, that's uh-huh. my guy. Uh, and then the NL. Uh, Josh Hader, I think he's allowed one run this season. Perfect and save opportunities, if I remember correctly from the stats. Josh Hader is not perfect. In okay, then that was the one. He's 11 for 13. Uh, but I was in a very close spot here uh, yeah. going Hater or Bednar. I think they have been very, very similar. Yeah, However, yeah. Hater has a very slightly better whip. So I'm going him <sighs> uh, just right. by a little bit. But David Bednar also, you know, right up there too. Cy Young. We're getting out of the big ones now. Cy Young and yeah. MVP. Uh, in the AL, Skyler, who is your Cy Young? I love Sonny Gray, but it's going to go to Garrett Cole. 
he's been just a little bit better. And if Garrett Cole doesn't have that one start where he got smacked, I can't, it, it wasn't Minnesota, but it may be a central team uh, like a week or two ago where he gave up like eight runs. He'd have all, all the best numbers. He'd lead every single category. So that's why I'm going with Garrett Cole. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to say Sonny Gray yeah. here, or even Erod. I think Erod's been really, really sure. great too. Uh, but it's gonna be Garrett Cole, especially working as many innings as he has. Uh, he's at ten starts right now, which I'm pretty sure think I think leads the MLB. Yeah. So he's making sure that he's getting out there as soon as he can, every single time that he can. Like I said, leading every rest. single category. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, sixty-eight strikeouts. That's near the top. It's not at the top, but it's close to it. Uh, sixty-two innings pitched. I think is the yeah it is is it is leading the way and then the era right at two uh so garrett cole give me him sayang all right uh and then in the nl all right uh strider has been my guy but it's not going to go to him i think gallon has been more valuable you know very similar numbers strider does have more k's but gallon every single night has you know been a, a major reason and when I say every single night, you know, I mean fifth night. Mm. Of course, he's a starting pitcher, but he's uh, on those every fifth night. He gives the Diamondbacks such a great chance to go win. Yeah. Uh, Zach Allen's going to be my choice, too. I guess some other guys you could mention. Kershaw has been amazing. Yeah. Justin Steele, Mitch Keller, uh, and then Bryce Elder and Alex Cobb are some other guys, too, that might mm. have slightly better, you know, runs allowed numbers, but I think Zach Allen is probably a bit more sustainable in his stuff. 70 K's over 57 in the third innings, uh, only two homers allowed eight walks in those 57 innings too. So he's not throwing many balls. And I mean, he's lights out right now. Uh, yeah. Two, three, five ERA whip under one. It's the numbers you need to get the Cy Young. So, uh, Hey, I, if you want to go back to the seventies, he's got six wins too. So <laughs> there's that. So, Fuck it. You know, he, give him a say on. Uh, moving on to the MVP AL. Shohei Otani does exist. Uh, so, yes. There is that. Yeah, it's Shohei Otani. And I guess the one point I want to make is I think everyone who watches baseball can agree, no matter what fan you are, that he's a top 10 hitter and a top 10 pitcher this year. But I think he's top five in both. So he's my MVP. Top five hitter. I will not say. I don't think he's at top five. But okay, sorry. A top five power hitter this season. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But you get, maybe. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's he's okay. around there. He, he's an anomaly. He uh, is definitely going to be the MVP if he has a healthy season and you know just holds an ERA under four and does what he does at the plate. He's going to win MVP every single year because he's an anomaly as he should. I'm not saying that it's like, oh, uh, Shohei again. Uh, but shout out, you know, Yandy Diaz, Brent Rucker, Aaron Judge, Randy Rosarena. Yep, yep. Matt Chapman. Uh, but yeah, Shohei. He exists, so he, he gets it. NL MVP. This one, you know, is is pretty much as clear as, as the AL MVP. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no honorable mention for me. It's Ronald Acuna, man. Uh, I've been waiting for this. Not like I'm a Braves fan, you know. Not that kind of waiting, but um, for the breakout, the Acuna breakout ap after the injury, the second breakout that you, you always want from your star. And uh, here it is, man. He's on pace for some ridiculous stuff. 60-60, I believe. Or was it 50? He's on his 40-40. He's 40, on 40. 
was, 40, 40, is what he's on yeah. pace for. And uh, you can look up those numbers on your, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you, you should know if you don't know who's in the 40, 40 club. I think it's, isn't it just one guy? No. That was only one guy. Bonds, Canseco, uh, Alfonso Soriano. Was it 50, 50? And 50 50 might be one guy. And I, yeah. I think Griffey did it once actually too. 40 40. Yeah. But Acuna, I mean, he's going to have to hit a ton of homers to get to 50, uh, but yeah. he should be sitting around 60 stolen bases. If you know, they keep on pushing that with him, uh, we'll see how that goes because sometimes you kind of want to take it you know, slower for those stuff later in the year, especially if the team's in a good spot. Cause you don't yeah. get, have them get hurt you know, break a finger or something like that is so easy. Break a wrist, twist an ankle, whatever it is. You just can't have that happen to Ronald, especially if he's still hitting 345 and mashing homers uh, come June or July. So I think with the stolen bases numbers, probably will be around 50 to 55 at the most. Uh, and then homers, man. I mean, this guy, he's in hit 40. Yeah, uh, he's absolutely rolling right now. Like you said, it seemed impossible for a guy like Ronald Acuna to break out. Is he just been kind we of one of the faces? Yeah. Uh, but the post injury breakout is a good way to describe it. He is the best player in baseball right now. Uh, that is not a two way Japanese import, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Ronald Acuna, man, it's it's not even close. It, it should be unanimous. So I'll, I'll say that. I don't think really the closest guy to him is Sean Murphy. Or a St. Louis guy votes uh, Goldie again because he thinks he didn't have a bad enough year to lose it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's – yeah, it's not even close. Or if Louise Arise hits like 400 and the Marlins somehow <laughs> make the playoffs. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, everybody. This is halftime. The NBA stuff. We'll start it off with the mock draft 1.0. I got 10 picks from the lottery. We found out just last night that – or two nights ago, excuse me, that uh, the Spurs are getting very likely Victor Wembanyama, the center from France. And that'll start off the mock draft right there. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about Mr. Wembanyama over the next couple of weeks, but um, he's just him, man. I, I will say, I, I don't like the comparisons to LeBron. I think that's just weird. I think just let him be his own player. For Victor? Yeah. Dude, I, I don't I forget who it was on ESPN. But they were. It was Nick Wright and somebody else, and uh, the other guy was saying it's like, maybe it wasn't ESPN, maybe it's like Fox Sports One, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the guy's like, if he's Kareem, his career's a failure. <laughs> Nick I Wright did see like, some stuff like, like that. What? What are you talking about? It's Kareem. Yeah, Kareem's one of the like, best players ever. Yeah, he's like, he needs to be the goat for his career to be. So, yeah, he, he fulfilled the shoes. I'm yeah, like, and then oh those same God. guys will back up Markel Fultz going number one. Like, it's like, like make so, up your mind. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's fucking. Like, my God. Like, I know LeBron probably had even more pressure coming into the league. But, man, I, you got to feel for the kid. Victor is what? He's 19? Yeah. Let me, uh. Let me see what his date of birth is. Okay. Dude, January 4th, 2004. Wow. That's crazy. I'm wow. three years older than this dude. Needs seven Makes foot two, seven foot three, seven foot four, seven foot five. I see. I don't know. A little but, bit of uh, everything. He's tall. And 
Have you, have you seen his feet? Mm, no, I'm not one of those guys, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it like that. His <laughs> feet are crazy, dude. Because he does, like, all these feet exercises because I guess, like, with his balance or something like that, it's really good. Okay. So he'll be, like, on the court barefoot doing stuff. And his toes are, like, as long as my fingers. Jeez. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you're good. I, I I always love when you have uh you know points to make about the NBA. It's okay. Uh but yeah, we'll we'll get back here to number two, the Charlotte Hornets. They're gonna take Brandon Miller, the forward from Alabama. Uh you know, we we've been hearing uh right when you know the the murder happened at Alabama, uh people were, you know, not very happy with that, but uh we find out it wasn't his fault. He had nothing to do with it. And teams have been saying he lo- they loved his character, that they were all wrong. Uh, and obviously, they don't need a point guard. They have LaMelo Ball, so they're not going to take Scoot. It's going to the Grizzlies. Number three, Portland. They're going to trade it. And I have the Jazz coming up here to take Scoot Henderson. Uh, let me tell you the trade first before I explain myself. Portland gets Lori Markkinen and a protected first next year. And the Jazz are going to get number three and Yusuf Nurkic. Get rid of that contract. Uh, there's no guarantee Scoot's going to be as good as Anthony Simons. And Anthony Simons is really good. They're trying to win now. The Jazz have a bunch of picks. They just traded their you know two best players since Carl Malone and Stockton were there. Um, so in my opinion, this makes sense that the Jazz come up and get Scoot. All right. Number four, the Rockets in need of of some kind of chemistry they're going to go after amen thompson who could uh, very well be the best player in this draft you know the point guard from overtime elite yeah over victor yeah he's the most athletic player in this draft but he victor have you ever seen a player over seven two not have a horrific career altering injury before they turn 30 doesn't matter yao ming was still amazing <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but he was like in tears every time he took a dribble because he was in so much pain. <laughs> yeah, but he's from France. Victor's okay. from France. All right. Okay. Anyways, and he's and not that tall. And his toes are long. <laughs> the point I was trying to make is that the Rockets are a mess. Eamon Thompson's a great facilitator. And they don't have one yet somehow. Uh, the Pistons at five. They kind of got screwed, but uh, they're going to go after Cam Whitmore here, the forward from Villanova. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, the Ringers uh, NBA draft expert, compares him to a semi-truck with a Ferrari's accelerator. Just like the toughest dude on the court every time. So I, I don't mind that as Pistons. You know, get back to the bad boys days. Build a little. Again, another team that needs to build some chemistry because they've been a mess. Uh, number six, the Magic. Though. Sorry. I didn't, the car comparison. That's interesting. Yeah. So Killian Hayes, like a Prius? Or something like that? Or, <laughs> or what? A moped? No, man. He's just a piece of pizza. I thought he was the French James Harden. <laughs> a lot of people were wrong about that one, including me. <laughs> Sorry, Killian Hayes. Uh, but So the Magic at six. They just got Paolo. Um, kind of a luxury here, in my opinion. So they're going to take Asar Thompson, probably the last of the the players with a high floor. Uh, he's the shooting guard, the twin brother of Amon Thompson, and he can already shoot lights out, so he, he's going to go really high in the draft. 
Uh, we'll zoom through these last four picks here. Pacers at seven. They're going to take Taylor Hendricks, power forward from Central Florida. He's the best defender in the class. So he's going to go a little earlier than people think, you know, Scotty Barnes, Patrick Williams type of a move. Uh, at number eight, the Wizards, uh, I really have no clue what they're doing. So I'm going to give them the best player available. That's Jairus Walker, power forward from Houston, the modern forward that could, you know, shoot, dribble, pass, do, do it all. You know, so you can always be on the floor. Number nine, the Trailblazers, they trade back and they still get a guard. They just get a little more. They get Markin in an all-star back and take Anthony Black. Guard from Arkansas. He's obviously not as uh, touted as Scoot Henderson is, but at six foot six, that's a pretty big floor general for a you know otherwise pretty small backcourt that you don't have to play right away. And number ten, Dallas wants to trade it, so we got the Heat coming up. And just for future picks, I didn't do anything crazy here because it's the tenth pick. They're going to grab Leonard Miller, forward from the G League from Canada. And the reason why the Heat, even though they're a playoff team, coming up for a, a guy from the G League. Ignite is because he's a 6'10, 215 pound player who who moves and dribbles and defends like a guard. And that doesn't happen. It's very likely we never hear his name again, just like Kevin Knox and you know, some Jalen Johnson, guys like that. But we've also seen guys like this turn into unstoppable forces. So teams are gonna take shots. That's just how the draft is moving towards there's un, there's positionless players who uh if they can shoot and defend they could go anywhere from you know pick number three to pick number 60 and uh, that's my mock draft i'm I, you know way too excited than i i should be for this draft class but um i like what's going on so far and let's just get right into the conference championship both of them for the nba start off with the western conference Tuesday night, the Nuggets won game one, got up to a big lead. Lakers came back, but they staved them off. 132-126. Game two is going on right now. Um, Anthony Davis dropped 40 last week. Jokic with a crazy triple-double that's only been done, I don't know, maybe three times ever, twice by him. That seems to be the way it goes. But I don't care that the Lakers came back. I'm still taking, uh, taking Denver here in six games. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of on the same page. Denver, I think, has enough to to do it and is going to win. Another series, a little bit tougher to decide for me here. It's Miami and Boston. Boston got off to a great start in the first half. They were up by 10, but they actually blew this one. Miami won 123-116 at the Boston Garden, led by Jimmy Butler with his 35. And uh, uh, maybe I'm I'm stupid here, but... I don't really care that Miami came back and won. I'm still taking Boston in seven. I think they're they're a much better team. And unless Tyler Hero comes out, you know, of the of the dark here in a couple of days and all of a sudden he's he's perfectly fine. That could, you know, affect my pick here. But uh Boston's better. They need to get there. I've been riding them all season long. Boston seven. You know, I I've been a Boston supporter for a couple of years now at this point. I am a huge Skyler just destroys a sneeze. Sorry, I sneezed uh, on mute. Got Kyle. <laughs> yeah, but it's violent for me yeah. to watch. Uh, big Jason Tatum guy. I like Jalen Brown. But the Heat, man, they just got that vibe to him right now where it's like, yeah, don't fuck with these oh, I'm, guys. I'm no Heat hater. Don't don't get me wrong. I just, I'm sticking with my pick. I'm going Heat and six. Okay. I'm saying it. Yeah, that's halftime. That's the NBA stuff. Got it out of the way. 
Um, should know the finals, not next week, but the week after. Yeah. Huh? Especially not next week because it's the, uh, yeah, quick turnaround for this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not even, we don't even do a player pitcher rookie of the week next week because it's last four days. <laughs> it's mind bending, dude. I guess so. All right. Uh, let's get back to the second half, though, where it's our awards time. We got four awards. Uh, we'll we'll not say all of them yet, but we'll go step by step here. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting off with the LVP, the least valuable player in the league. We got one for the AL and one for the NL together. Who is your least valuable player in the American League? My least valuable player in the American League is going to be Carlos Correa, the shortstop of the Twins. Just not, not what. What needs to be happening right now, Carlos Correa? You can't hit 200 with over 50 Ks. That's in you know ridiculous percentile, especially for a guy getting paid 35 million dollars a year. This guy was supposed to, and I guess luckily for the Giants and Mets, it didn't happen. He's supposed to be a franchise changer, and he's just been shitty this year. He's my least valuable player. He could turn it around, of course, but as of right now, I don't want him anywhere near my club. Wow, least valuable player. In the NL, Jose Abreu, former MVP of the league, has not hit a homer yet for the Astros. He's been 220 with a 531 OPS. Let's just go ahead and hop over to Baseball Savant and let's look at his, uh, you know, percentile rankings and kind of see where he's at. Average exit velocity, 20th percentile. Hard hit, 28th percentile. Ex-WOBA. Sixth percentile. You want these numbers to be at like in the 90s, guys. Uh, yeah. Just letting you know. Uh, expected batting average, 22nd percentile. Expected slugging, ninth percentile. You know, maybe he doesn't strike out a lot, 38th percentile with a 10% chase rate. So he's chasing a ton. Yeah. Maybe he's walking a ton, though. You know, maybe he's working counts. Nope, 20th percent. You know, he's slow as shit. He's 36 years old, 11th percentile sprint speed. And no first base. I mean, you're not throwing the ball pretty much ever. Arm strength, fourth percentile, bro. He's been wow. terrible. And he's getting a bag this year. He's getting a bag next year. He's getting a bag a year after that. Three-year, $58.5 million contract he was given in the offseason. And uh, D-shit. He wouldn't even make it on the A's AAA team right now. Uh, we'll just be saying that. So the least valuable player in the AL, former MVP, the LVP, Jose Abreu. Moving on to the National, National League. League. Yeah. yeah. The least valuable player in the National League for me will be Gene Segura of the Marlins. He's the worst qualified hitter in baseball this season. The Marlins just gave him $17 million, even though he was horrible in the playoffs for Philly. And negative D war for the first time in his career, he's only going to get worse, I fear. And uh, he might be the worst player in baseball right now. Yeah, it's valid. He, uh, Gene Segura is also my least valuable player. So we go unanimous there. Nice. Uh, he has four extra base hits and 133 at bats so far this year. Uh, that's those are th- three doubles and one triple, no homers yet, only five RBIs. Uh, 10 to 11, he's three for five out of stolen bases. So he's not even, you know, doing the good, easy things right, right now yeah. with how, how easy it is to st- steal stolen base or get stolen bases with, uh, you know, the bags getting bigger now. OPS at five 
24, which is absolutely terrible. Chase rate at 6th percentile right now. Expect slugging 18th percentile. Barrel percent 10th percentile. Mm. Uh, like you said, the uh, defense, 24th percentile. So, you know, it's not good. Sprint speed, average, doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, he's been terrible. Uh, also, another guy who just, you know, signed to a new team this year. Two years, $17 million. So, it's not going to be as much of a burden for, you know, the Miami Marlins to kind of, you know, deal with this contract and, and what's going on there. But uh, not looking good. And he's the least valuable player in the NL. For me, it's good. Oh, yeah. Moving on to the pitching side of things now. You know how the, we don't have the most valuable pitcher. You know, that's not what the award's called. It's called the Cy Young Award. So we need somebody to name this award after. Who better than Patrick Corbin, man? Let me just find Patrick Corbin's numbers and let's just go over what the model of this looks like. Let me go ahead and. I didn't, I didn't have him up. I don't know why I didn't. I, I knew I was going to do this. Uh, but here we are. It's all good. Patrick Corbin, 4-6-5 year rate this year. Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, 31 Ks in 50 innings isn't isn't great. Uh, but last year, 6-3-1 ERA. That's terrible. Uh, year before that, 5-8-2 uh, ERA. 20-20, You know, decent there. Uh, but at least he got them in World Series in 2019, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Corbin Award, the worst pitcher in the league. We're getting started with the AL. Uh, man, I think we got a unanimous one here, too, Skyler. Yeah, we do. Shintaro Fujinami uh, has been really hard to watch, even his relief appearances recently. Um, you know, it looks like he's onto something, gets two quick outs, and it's just shit after shit. Uh, I, I don't know what, at bat, batter faced. That's what it is, the BL. He'll be up. And I don't want to talk anymore about him because it triggers me. So go ahead. I wake up. I'm triggered. <laughs> I put him in. I'm triggered. Uh, yeah. Shintaro Fujinami sporting a 12-6-2 ERA uh, whip above two. I believe he's the only pitcher in the big leagues with the whip above two. Uh, 25 innings pitched, 36 earned runs. He's one in five. So he does have a win. How about that? He did win that that game on Friday. It was his first career win because he pitched a scoreless two-thirds of an inning uh, in the bullpen. Let's go over to baseball savant. Let's look at that page. Uh, average exit velocity in the fourth percentile. Again, you want these numbers to be high. Hard hit, second percentile. Uh, walk percent, third percentile. K percentage, 23rd percentile. Chase rate, the first percentile fastball spin rate first percentile he has been absolutely terrible for the a's that sucks to see because you know we, we wish this guy was really good because he's got some some decent stuff sometimes and in his first two innings in the big leagues we're like oh crap we might have got somebody but uh since then it's been absolutely terrible uh so fuji at least you get an award uh jesus Patrick corbin award on to the NL. The National League Patrick Corbin Award winner will be going to David Peterson of the Mets, another left-hander. Oh, boy. Uh, this guy just doesn't have it whatsoever this season. One for six with an eight ERA. Uh, last in the league and earned runs allowed. He just got called down to AAA. 329 batting average against. This guy's just 
he's literally batting practice. And that is pretty much, uh, you know, the summary of the Patrick Corbin award, the Patrick Corbin we've seen in the last two, three seasons. So congratulations, David Peterson. Good job while Max Scherzer has been out keeping him afloat. Great job. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's actually kind of crazy when, when you look at David Peterson and his stats, cause they just like, they just leave him in for some reason. Uh, David Peterson is also my guy. Uh, when you look at, you know, Patrick Corbin award in, in the NL, uh, he has only gone less than four innings once this year. And for a guy with eight, an eight ERA, that seems pretty crazy. He had a start where he went six innings, gave up six runs, five innings, seven runs, five innings, four runs, uh, four innings, five runs, three and a third, shortest outing of the year, uh, four runs, and then five innings, six runs. So it's like consistently, you know, you're pitching an inning, you're giving up a run for David Pierce so far. That's Showalter think he, he's David Cohn or something? I don't know. I guess uh, he thinks it's, uh, you know, 1923, not 2023, <laughs> just leaving your starter in as long as he possibly can. But uh, maybe Buck's got, you know, Alzheimer's or something like that or That's dementia. Possible. And he's just leaving him out there. But yeah. uh, David Peterson, he's getting tortured by the batters and uh, the Mets. He's been he's been terrible. All right. Moving on to probably the most fun award on the list. It is. The G-R-T-L-J slash K award, otherwise known as Get Ready to Learn Japanese slash Korean award. Uh, a guy, let me just yeah, yeah, talk about what the candidate could be like here. Realistically, this guy has the chance to go play overseas and then come back. So he's not going to be, you know, some top prospect that's having a terrible season. He's not going to be some 40-year-old like Miguel Cabrera who is not going to go play in China or not, not China. Oh my gosh. Uh, Japan or Korea. Uh, he's just, you know, terrible and he's not anything crazy. He's not going to be, you know, we need this guy arbitration, anything like that. He's going to be let go. So with that being said, let's get to the American league. Get ready to learn Japanese slash Korean award. All right. Well, my winner, of this award, I won't say the whole thing, for the American League, it's going to be Ahmed Rosario of Cleveland. And he does lead the league in triples. But he, his average is down to 250 so far. His defense is the worst it's ever been at shortstop, too. He only got a one-year deal his first year after hitting the open market. So this is a guy, maybe not next year, but the year afterwards, if he's still slumping a little bit, could go play a year in Japan or Korea. My get ready to learn Japanese or Korea or Korean award. Uh, and the AL goes to Nick Maton, who is hitting yeah. 150 <laughs> for the Detroit Tigers. He's 26 years old. Uh, he's, this is his third year in the big leagues. Uh, he has four homers this year. Pretty good. Uh, OPS around 560. Uh, defense, nothing crazy. Speed, nothing crazy as well, too. Actually, his defense is terrible. Ninth percentile and outs above average. Uh, expected batting average, first percentile, expected slugging, six percent, expected woba, or uh, yeah, expected woba, uh, third percent. So, you know, he hasn't he hasn't done anything crazy. Uh, and I don't think the Tigers are gonna be like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and keep this guy. And I don't think anybody on in them will be is gonna be like, yeah, this guy seems like somebody we need to add to our squad. So, uh, Nick Maton, I can see him heading overseas, 
having a couple nice years. Maybe he hits 30 homers, you know, or something like that. And uh, heads back over in, in age 29 season and signs like a two-year, you know, $4 million deal or something like that with not the Cardinals. That's <laughs> maybe like the uh, maybe like the Nationals, something like that. On to the NL. Skyler, who do you got here? All right. Okay, you you got to hear me out. This is specifically – Get ready to learn Korean. This is a KBO experiment. I have Carlos Santana, who I know is 37, but hear me out. Hear me out. He's hitting a lot better this season, but still not great on a Pirates lineup. That's, uh, you know, nothing to stare at. Switch hitter, but still a great eye. We, we saw Nelson Cruz came back this year after taking a year off, and he didn't play in Korea, but it was still a year off, and he looks great. I think this is a guy, if you get him in the right situation where he doesn't have to carry a team, hit third for the Pirates every week. Maybe a year in Korea that lines up with our offseason so he doesn't actually miss a full MLB season and then comes back maybe a month in, signs with a contender. Wow. I know. I like your theory there. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was hoping you didn't shaft me for that. However, I'm not going for it. Because my guy is Ryber San Martin, left-handed <laughs> pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, who is sporting a 7 ERA this year. He is 27 years old, the 6'2 left-hander out of Columbia. He weighs in at 160 pounds, so he's a string bean, just like me. Uh, and he sucks. I mean, he's actually really, really bad. Uh, this dude gets rocked. He walks a ton of people. Uh, and it's just not been a good story so far for him. You know, he can go over to Korea or Japan and, you know, become a closer or something like that. Throw hard. You know, he, yeah. uh, you know, actually fastball velocity is, is around 90 miles per hour. So, you know, probably mm. not throw too hard, but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe he finds some spin rate cheese or something like that and he gets it going over there and then comes back. Uh, but I don't see it working out for him in the States. I'm saying River San Martin, the Colombian goes to Korea. And it's definitely the, the least confident with this award out of all of them. I just didn't have the time to, uh, to go look. It's tough. It's really thousands tough. of names after court today, <laughs> but we'll get it next, next time we do the, the halfway award. All right. The uh, next award and the last award we're doing today is an MVP. However, the M does not stand for most. It sounds for mid, uh, mid valuable player, AKA just, the most middle of the pack guy that you can find, you know, this guy isn't, isn't good. He's not bad. He's not above average. He's not below average. He's average. That's all he is. Who do you got in the AL? My American league mid mid VP winner for the quarter mark is going to be Steven Kwan of Cleveland. I know he hits for a lot of contact, but he's down to 270 this year. That's a, you know, respectable above average number. But the reason why he's my mid MVP is because he is unplayable in the field. He has a negative 3.4 D war. I believe the last time I checked, which has got to be, you know, two percentile, uh, you know, at most. And you can't DH him because he's going to hit like six homers this year. I mean, you, you, there's not a lot you can do with Stephen Kwan, but he's going to be on the roster 
just because he's a good he's a good ball player, but he's the mid VP right now for this season. Juan Soto, man, yeah, Bring him. Uh, my mid VP for the American League is going to be J.P. Crawford. This dude, if you look at his baseball savant page, screams mid, except for the walks. He doesn't walk a ton. <laughs> He's got good play discipline. Uh, average exit velocity, 56th percentile. So, you know, right in the middle there. Max exit velocity, 43rd percentile. So, right in the middle there. Hard hit, 33rd. X well with 63rd. Expected batting average, 55. Expected slugging, 20th. K rate, 64. Sprint speed, 36. So, even. Speed wise, he's mid. Outs above average, 52. <laughs> it's perfect. He's been absolutely mid this year. Uh, if you just look at his, you know, normal stats, hitting 237, OPS around 695. That will be average usually right around 700. So, you know, it's not just the advanced stats, it's even with luck. He's still mid. Uh, so, yeah, JP Crawford. National League. I'm excited for my, my National League uh, mid-VP winner here. Um, this is a player who just confuses the hell out of me. I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty, the starter of the Cardinals. This year, 3-4 and four record, 5-2-4 ERA. And I, I just don't really know what to say. He's the kind of guy, when we talk about him, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's great. Young star, you know, probably hasn't reached his full potential. But he'll give up 10 runs to the Angels and then – the next week shut out Milwaukee and it doesn't make any sense. And you know, his, his career numbers are a lot worse than, than I imagined when I looked them up today, just to double check, he was qualified to be a mid VP winner. And he was the five ERA this year. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I could see it going either way or Hey, maybe this is just him and he's just mid. Yeah. My mid VP has a 3.16 ERA with the 1.1 whip. So those are good stats there. Yeah. But when you look at the baseball savant page, it He's just is lucky. a thing <laughs> of beauty. He has been so lucky this year. I'm not even going to say his name <laughs> quite yet. Average exit velocity, 49th percentile. Average batting at, or expected batting average, 47th percentile. Expected slugging, 41st. Barrel. 57th his strikeouts are low at 26 and his walks are high at 76 chase rate 34 curve spin 33 so you know even looking at his pitches his pitches are mid this dude his name is kyle freeland i was thinking about a colorado guy for sure so uh you know he might be having a good stat peripheral wise when you look at the era and I guess the wins and the whip and stuff like that and average against, uh, but just know it's coming. We're going to see this guy in the high force and his ERA when it's all said and done. Uh, and he will win the mid VP because the, you know, the advanced stats, that's they a good tell take. the truth. That's they a tell good the take. truth. So I just wanted to like show you guys for the people who aren't big believers in, you know, the advanced stats. Yeah. ERA whip, they tell a story sometimes, most of the time, but there's outliers for both sides of things. And uh, Kyle Freeland is one of those guys. All right. <laughs> let's go ahead and get to our, our bets and let's get on out of here. Uh, last week, 
I had Detroit over Cleveland on a Wednesday game, and I believe that was an E-Rod start, and he got the job done there. So that's a green yes, for me. Uh, Skyler had Miami over Cincinnati on Saturday. That did not happen. Cincinnati won that game 6-5. to five, So unfortunately for Skyler, that Freaking is red. Lodolo. This week I have Arizona over Pittsburgh on Friday, which is tomorrow. Uh, that's a Zach Gallon start. So Cy Young going up against a team who has been struggling a little bit over these past few weeks. Uh, give me AZ to get the job done. I got another baseball game. Got the Mets over the Cleveland Guardians on Saturday. Max Scherzer, first start since uh, coming back from the ejection, I believe. And Sorry, uh, yes, two days ago was. second. This will be the second start, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 5 ERA, he is going to be pissed. And that's the one time you don't want to face Max Scherzer is when he's pissed. Tanner Beebe, Fullerton legend, uh, rookie of the year candidate. Awesome start, man. But I'm sorry. I'm betting against you. Going with the Mets. Yeah. Uh, moving into our bold predictions. Last week, I had a Schwarbaum on Wednesday. That did not happen. Uh, Skyler had Toronto over Atlanta on Friday night. That is a the Chris Bassett shutout there. Yes, sir. So good job. I had a feeling. There. Uh, and then this week I have the heat going to the finals. That is, you know, probably a bold prediction because not a lot of teams are picking them and even up one, nothing. I know a lot of people are still picking Boston. So, uh, give me the heat. Jimmy B. You know what? I'm going to change my pick. I originally had the Marlins over the giants. That was a, a Sandy start against mm-hmm. a, a team with not a great lineup, but this is, you know, failed me four times maybe this year with the Sandy pick. Uh, so I'm going to change it. I'm going to go with uh, the Diamondbacks to to beat Mitch Keller on Saturday night with Brandon Fat. I know he's got a 90 array, but I believe in him. He's going to get better and better with each start. And, uh, you know, you don't get the Diamondbacks uh, as an underdog very often uh, this month. So we'll take it. Yeah. That's going to do it for episode 140. Sorry about it being late and being on a Thursday, uh, but we'll be back next Tuesday to get the job done and move yes, on sir. to episode 141. Uh, so we will see you all then. Do you have any closing remarks? Together? Come on, Denver. Ooh, come on, come Denver. on Denver. Yeah. <laughs> that is all. We'll see you next week.